Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. I am here, of course, with my favorite Memorial Day princess, Megan Strand. <laughs> I love that title. Hey, Thanks, Megan. Joe. See, I got it. You know, I got it. And, you know, we are so lucky. We thought we were, were lucky last week to have Megan Strand here because she's so busy planning cause marketing for him. But the day we're recording this show, I mean, she's only a few days away. And the, the weight of the world is on Megan Strand's shoulders. Right. What do you think, Megan? Would that you describe right. it as that? This, this I mean, show is stress relief for me. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. I mean, and you know, we have an awesome, I mean, you know, you know what the thing is? This show is really international. That's I mean, right. we just don't pull, we just don't pull from the States. You know, we have <laughs> Phil Haidt, who is the co-founder and CEO of Public Inc., and he's calling us from Toronto. Who says, Phil, this isn't an international show? This is amazing, Joe. I, I thought you were going to sing O Canada for me. I That's was, right. I was, I was thinking about I was cheering about up. It. Yeah, well, you know, um, when the Maple Leafs played the Bruins, I heard O Canada one many two times. <laughs> so, you know, I was ready Joe, to I, get that song. I have to say officially congratulations. Thank as, you. As much as it pains me, I'm, we're going to give it right. to you, Joe. That's right. Well, I just want to let you know that um, – it is much deserved on my part, and, um, <laughs> and I'm sure you'll have as, about as much luck last year, next year as you did this year. Okay, well, so we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it sounded like a gracious uh, acceptance. Yeah, that's of right. That, I, but really, you know, it wasn't. Americans yeah. are known for being highly gracious, so oh, it's yeah, good. That's right. yeah. <laughs> okay, listen, you know, this may be our last international call. You believe that's it? it. We, should, that's we, it. Should, we should really stay within the States when we're doing these shows, you know. <laughs> but, Phil, no, but really, thank you very much for joining us today. We know you're uh, very busy. I mean, you know, of all the people practicing uh, uh, cause marketing in North America, I consider Phil to be one of the best because of some of the programs you've come out with, Phil, working for your company. And one of the things that's really interesting about you, Phil, is next week you are joining uh, Megan and me at Cause Marketing Forum, and you're going to be talking about how nonprofits and businesses need to take more risk with Cause Marketing. And we know so many people are going to Cause Marketing Forum next week, but not everyone can get there. So we would love to hear um, a, a little preview of your presentation so we can we can hear about that and learn from you on how uh, we can take more risk when it comes to cause marketing. Excellent. Well, thank you, Joe. Delighted, delighted to be here and appreciate the, the kind words. The, the, so the, the, the presentation I'm giving next week, it's called The Race to be Third, Why Cause Marketers Should Take More Risks. And it's, it's really based on a hypothesis um, that says Cause marketers, and this is true both for nonprofit and for profit, mm -hmm. rarely want to be first when it comes to developing, you know, net new programs and campaigns. Yep. And I would argue that there's a bunch of reasons for that. And and I'll, let me give you a few of them. The mm -hmm. first is that there's actually um, the fear of failure is is too is too big, yep. right? That people and failure is interesting. Failure is seen as a net negative, not actually if if you put it in its proper context, actually a really positive thing. Right. And so the fear of it not going well is seen mm -hmm. as just a reason not to do it. Mm -hmm. There's also tied to that this idea that there's a sort of little upside to being first, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, hence the title of the race to be third. It's much safer. It's much better if you're going to do something net new to allow somebody else to do it first, right? right? See what happens. Let a second yeah. person kind of work out the kinks and then we can come in third and do it. Which is why, quite frankly, you see the same kinds of programs, and this is not to knock them, but lots of the programs where the, everyone races in and does the same thing, whether that's the charity pinup, right? Yep. Whether that's a portion of the proceeds of a you know, sales item, right? Whether that's you incent the share, 
whether it was the crowd voting that was popular a couple of years back, there's the same old. So there's this fear of failure, the, the, the lack of wanting to be first, and there's no upside to doing it. And I, th- and I think the other reason, too, is that there is, um, in many, many companies and charities, as it relates to cause marketing, there just isn't the culture to support it. Yeah. And you've got a lot of pressures from the senior management to the board of directors. You've got this whole debate going on around you know, ratios and how much you should spend on your fundraising and activation yep. efforts versus your operating. And a lot of that really, that really sort of stifles the lack of risk-taking. And as a result, and this is my main argument, as a result, there's just not enough innovation. We, we don't, we're not willing to try and really push the envelope. So were you, um, Phil, are you kind of like a, a Canadian version of Dan Pallotta? You know, it's interesting. So I'm not sure I want to align with Dan, but I'll tell you something. I, I obviously a lot of what Dan says, I, I'm completely aligned. I mean, public, if you come to go to our website, it says right on the front page, why, why shouldn't people profit by doing good? And we're big right. believers in the bringing together of profit and purpose, right? Cause and commerce, because our, our fundamental hypothesis and our fundamental belief is that that the current sort of charitable mindset and how we think about cause marketing, yep. it doesn't scale. Yeah. I mean, lots of great things are happening. I'm not negative to the space yeah. in the least. Obviously, we're working it. But it doesn't scale. And here, here's a stat I love to t- tell people all the time. If you take all of the giving in the U.S. on an annual basis, it's roughly speaking $400 billion, right, which is a huge number. But then you got to put it into context. Yep. It costs $500 billion to educate K-12 to for one year in the United States. Mm-hmm. Wow. So if we're really, really interested in trying to solve problems in a, at a community level all the way up to an international level, we need to start to merge those things. And the argument that I'm, I'm going to be making, and here's a sneak peek at the conference, is that if we want to start to take risks, then there's a bunch of things that we, we, we need to start to do. Mm-hmm. And, and our, our sort of premise is threefold. One, right, we need to kind of move beyond the idea of promoting good as the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and the reason for that is that that appeals to probably 20% of the population, mm-hmm. right? So if everyone was motivated just because it's the right thing to do, that would be amazing. But right. the truth is there's hundreds of thousands of charities and hundreds of thousands of, you know, great causes. So, you know, it's okay to be able to say to people, here's a really neat idea because it's remarkable, because it's mm-hmm. different, right? We gotta, so that's the first thing that we kind of argue. You need to move beyond just saying, this is a great initiative because it's a great cause. That no, doesn't Phil, let me it. ask you something, though. What do you think, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, fear of failure, c- no cultural support, little upside to being first and stuff like that. But what are, how are the external pressures on a nonprofit different yeah. than a business? Or would you say, hey, Joe, businesses are under many of the same pressures, but they continue to innovate? I, I would say businesses are under a lot of the same pressures. I would say culturally there's a difference. It's a great question, Joe. I mean, culturally there's a difference, right? In, yep. in the for-profit sector. And I just, just for the record, I'm not one of these people that says, and this is where I, I wouldn't completely align with Dan, and maybe I'm misrepresenting Dan Pilata here, but yep. I, I'm not one of these people who believes you got to take the way that we do business in the for-profit sector and do it in the nonprofit. I actually think that's, I think that's misguided. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there are completely differences in the nonprofit sector and they need different solutions. But but I do think the difference is cultural, which is in the for profit sector. There is, um, you know, if you're not innovating, if you're not putting money to try net new things, you will fall behind, particularly in industries that are moving pretty quickly. And we don't have to move beyond the, the tel- telecommunication industry. Right. To mm-hmm. see what's going on there. So. There is a need to innovate. The market necessitates it. And I think yep. the problem in the nonprofit sector is 
we don't feel that same need to innovate and we don't feel the market pressures in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result, I mean, how many, as an example, how many nonprofits do you know, and Megan, how many do you know, that actually have an innovation fund? Money set aside that they are willing to try things and it doesn't matter if it fails or not. And that's right. actually the point of it. How many have it, right? Well, there lies the problem with the public perception piece, because when people start seeing money not going directly to services, then they get all twitchy, which is Dan's whole contention. My mm-hmm. question for you, though, Phil, is when you're when you're looking at cause marketing, it feels like there's an extra layer of fear because because you're dealing with a cause. And, and I'm speaking in looking at a brand, for example, you know, because there, there may be brands out there that are totally fine innovating and doing lots of great creative stuff in most of their marketing mix. But when it comes to cause, what is that piece that makes them more reluctant to try something different or to be first to market? Are, is there something specific about cause itself that makes people more risk averse? Well, it's a great question. So here, here's, here's how I'd answer it. And you guys, should, you guys should weigh in and tell me if I'm way off base. I would argue that a big part of the problem today is that companies still view their cause efforts. Um, they really they separate it from their core business, mm-hmm. right? And as a result of doing that, this is the nice to do. This is what you right. do to give right. back to community. And so you're not, as a result of it, you don't put it under the same scrutiny and the same mindset of, of how you want to drive your business to get bottom line results. And my argument and the argument that we make it public every day is we have to change that. We actually have to bring those same things together because when you look at it and say, well, this is a nice charitable program that's going to impact the community. You're, you're, the culture in which you look at it is very different. Mm-hmm. You're not willing to take risks because if it doesn't work, you feel like you've wasted charitable dollars, right? right? Whereas yep. if you actually said, wait a minute, how can cause actually drive my bottom line? Yeah, right, you would, right. It would immediately force you to think about it in a different way. But yeah, we're and, not there you know, yet. That's Most so businesses don't too. do it. With businesses that they align with causes where they really feel like – you know, to to use a you know, for lack of better expression, butter their own bread. You know what I mean? That they feel like you know we are solving a real problem in the world that is helping other people, but it's also helping us. That's right. That's yeah. right. And it, it, look, we're starting to see that happen, but I don't think we're seeing nearly enough of it. So you know, to Megan's question, I think what happens is you look at it and you think, well, you know, we want to ensure the integrity of our brand. We're going to get aligned with this charitable brand. And let's make sure that it's just got a nice positive halo effect as opposed to, right? And immediately when you do that, your risk tolerance goes, right, goes way, way down. You're not willing to take a lot of risk. Yep. And, yep. And, what, and so what we're trying to push for is to say, look, we have to start to change that mindset. And it mm-hmm. is also the mindset of consumers, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. consumers are part of the problem. They're saying, well, they're saying, well I want 100% of my dollar to go to the, right. To the program, yep. right? But how many programs do you know, how many nonprofits do you know that are, that are having a big impact on, on a particular issue in the communities in which they operate that doesn't have to spend a certain amount of money to have some real scalable impact? You need to right. spend money on it. Yeah. And we're getting stuck in this stuff. So the public is actually, I would argue, caught in an old way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Board, a lot of most boards on the nonprofit mm-hmm. side are made up of oftentimes of, of folks in the for-profit sector. And they, they completely changed their hat on this. And so you've got a problem at the board level. You've got a problem at the consumer level. And you've got, and, and you've got a problem at the management level of a lot of organizations who aren't willing to take those risks, which comes down to leadership. Yep. And, 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 and there's not enough know, of it. 
Phil, let me ask you something. I think what's really interesting about this, too, is, you know, can you look at the other side, too, and say, are nonprofits doing the best job they can measuring the impact they're having so that they, in turn, could report back to corporate partners and to individual donors and to foundations about the good stuff you're doing? Because that's something that seems like it's really lacking to me, too. I think you're right. I think it's getting, my sense is it's getting better. Um, I think there's a people, I think two things are happening. One, you know, you're seeing it and you see it in the theme of the conference, the Cause Marketing Forum conference. But, you know, there's this whole push towards um, trying to tell stories. But I think people yep. are realizing that stories have to have real metrics behind them. Yeah, outcomes. Right? Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I think you we're know, starting to see more of that for sure. And, you know, um, one of a, a causepreneur that we've had on the show before, Megan, you probably remember Jonah Lupton, who, mm -hmm. um, who's been on the show before talking about some of his work and stuff. And he sent me this great um, article in Inc. Magazine yesterday talking about, like, the startup entrepreneur's mindset and stuff. And this guy in the article, he had a quote in there that really made me think about our conversation today. And he says, so I tell my entrepreneurs that they have to focus on the one thing the company needs to do well to survive. You should never do more than you can measure and test so that you can see what's ex what's actually working and what isn't. If you try to do too much, you end up not really understanding what's happening in your own business. But isn't that right there a risk-averse strategy, Phil? Um, you know what? It totally. I think it really comes down to the leadership of the organization because it doesn't have to be right. right I mean, this right. whole big push on, as, as Joe was saying, on big data, right? Mm -hmm. And and what's so interesting is, and I think this is what's also changing is, I think people are realizing that when you take a metrics focus, when you start to actually collect data, wow, you learn some really interesting things about what's working, what's not. What I don't think we have done is made a cultural shift that says. Failure is okay. You know, I wrote a, I write, uh, when I, my last Huffington Post blog was actually about, it was called, Are You Ready to Fund a Failure? And it's about, you know, we, how many people would say, I'm going to fund a failure, right? <laughs> because what I was trying to challenge is just this notion of, you know, failure means you're trying to test new ideas. And if you're right. going to test new ideas, you have to collect data on it. To exactly to Joe's point, you can't go forward and not say, well, how would we know if we were successful or not? And it can't just be anecdotal. Right. So you know, I, I do think that's changing. I, I think we're seeing more of it, but not enough of it yet. You know, I think, though, too, I think what this person's saying, too, is I think it's not something that discourages risk at all. All they're saying is when you do take risks or when you do anything, you should measure what you're doing. So measure you can determine results. whether or not you're successful and whether or not it's worth the effort. And then you can apply other things as you become more successful. I mean, I cut out that quote and I, like, put it on my screen. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like because I think it's so true. We're all doing, you know, in the nonprofit business, we're all running around doing all these things but there's a big question on what works and what doesn't work and that could apply to programs fundraising what have you agreed and how, so, and how many could ask how many how many um conferences and organizations do you know that come out and talk about all the things that didn't work or don't work right, right? But, no. nobody That's wants it. to talk about that though phil yeah. as somebody who t works on conferences all year round people do not want to talk about what failed and it's 
I don't know what it is, if it's an ego thing or if it's a corporate policy thing, but pe- yeah. we push people every year, please talk about what did not work and what you learned from it. And yeah. very few are the people that will rise right. to that occasion and do it. And it's amazing when they do because really people get get an insight. But yeah. so I want to steer this, this question a little bit from the philosophical more to the tactical then, Phil, yeah. because we have you on the line. So when you're, when you're consulting with these organizations, where does that change start? Because you're really talking about change management management and leadership and all of these huge concepts. So, you know, how do you get people started down this road toward being a little bit more innovative and taking some more risks? Yeah, great question. So, you know, it really depends on whether the thing that we're, we want them to do that we think will help them achieve the results, we've done it before or not. So, you know, very naively, when I started public close to five years ago, I remember the first conversations, some of the first conversations I had, and I'd be in rooms and I'd be pitching ideas, uh, and it was a really animated discussion, and, and, and then the question comes up, so when, when have you done this before? Right. Right? Have you done this? And, and I naively said, no, isn't that great? You're going to be first. <laughs> and you could, you could take all the air out of the room with that one, right? And hey, thought, Phil, did, oh you start, is, did you start your career in the United States? Is that why you're in Toronto now? I think so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, that's, so but let's face it, though. That's scary. I mean, think about it even, too. Say that you hire an investment person, right? And you want them to manage your money. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's the Phil Hayde, right? You're like, so have you done this before? It's like, no, but I'm going to sure as hell learn a lot. Try it. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, Look, I, I, I get it. But, you know, and no one wants to be first. That's why, you know, like we, so we have two sides of our business. We have the consulting agency side where we create programs, cause marketing programs for companies and charities. But we have another side of our company, which is the incubator, where we create our own things. So, you know, we created this thing. And I, and so I'll be on record to say, if you invite me again, if I don't, really F up at the you know, cause of marketing <laughs> farm this year, I will happily come back and talk about failure. Um, Excellent. And, and let me talk about one right now. So when we, we launched a program, so we started in 2000, we literally uh, closed our financing two weeks after Lehman Brothers collapsed. Um, and we started public. And one of the ideas, the first ideas we had was called good night sleep. And the simple idea was, and it was an idea that actually existed out there, so we didn't think it was that risky. Um, We just put a different brand and a different sort of scale to it. But the idea was when you're staying at a participating good night's sleep hotel, help, help a young person also have a good night's sleep, right? Help them get off the street. And we tried to sell it into hotels, and it was an incredibly hard sell because at the time, you think about it, early 2009, the world had fallen apart, Right. Um, but we spent all kinds of dollars investing in the legal structures and all kinds of stuff. And it was, a, it was a, an abysmal failure. Um, and, but it was going to them saying, and what we were saying at the time was, and so I'll answer your question you're asking about kind of tactically about how, you know, how you get people to start something that's new. Um, we said, well, here, you, this thing exists. It exists in Europe. It's called Checkout for Children. UNICEF does it with Starwood and has had, and it was negative billing, right? It was basically the dollar per night is automatically on your bill. And we said, look, they've been doing it for 15 years, so we know it works. But no one wanted to be first in the North American context. And so in that case, where it had, so this was a case where it had been done, but not in that particular context. We couldn't, we couldn't get anyone to buy it. When we did our first Power of Two, which is one of our own programs that pits two celebrities against each other to see who can raise the most amount of money for the cause that they're most passionate about, and they engage their fans through social media. And, you know, it took us a long time to sell it in to the first two celebrities. Um, and so I've, what we have found is when it's something absolutely new where you can't kind of 
point to something out there. It absolutely is. It's a leadership issue and it's a trust issue. And we make the argument for why we believe it'll work. But we also say this could totally fail. But we have to be prepared for it. But here's why we think it's a calculated risk. And you lay out the, the strategy and the logic. Other times, if you've done it before, but it's a, net, it's a different idea, but it's the same construct, you can point to things. And that helps a little bit. But by and large, you've got this culture that just says, you know, you, I get asked all the time, well, if you haven't done it before, I'm not sure I can sell it to my board. And, and so there's no, there's no imperative like driving the need to try new things. Let me give you one other thing we, uh, we learned about. There was a study, it's getting old, so if you guys ever want to do the study, love to do it together. But there was a study that was done by the Monitor Group. And what they did is they looked at the top 50 companies and the top 50 nonprofits over a 30-year period. And they wanted to see how much change happened in each of those. In the top 50 for-profit, you can imagine that there was huge change. This was between 1970 and 2000. So you didn't have Yahoo, you didn't have Facebook, right? Those things didn't exist. So it was huge changeover. How many did you think changed on the top 50 list of nonprofits over a 30-year period? Not many. Yeah, not many, yeah. One. Oh One gosh. nonprofit changed on the list, and it was Habitat for Humanity. Wow. And, mm. and the thing I love about that study shows is a couple things. One, barrier to entry into the nonprofit sector, there's virtually none, right? Anybody can start one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but it's so hard to scale. But what it also says to you is for the big, big organizations, the American Heart Association, right? You think about uh, United Ways, the YMCAs, the organizations that have been there for many, many, many years, right? Once you're on top and you're that size, the, the, you know, if you get 2 to 3 to 5% growth, you're happy, yep. right? And you're not thinking about how you could, and I don't know if you guys have had this, but we go into conversation and we say, well, what if you doubled your net revenue on an annual basis. What would that look like? What would be the social impact you'd create? You know, I can tell you it's two times out of 10 that we get a great answer to that question. Yeah, I bet not Most of the time, yeah, they never think about it. Right. They're not, you know, and that's part of the problem. I mean, when it comes to like loss and failure and defeat, I mean, you are an expert at this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you, you're, you're like a storing house for this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, where do you learn all this? All the, all the loss and failure. Well, so I'll, <laughs> I'll step into it, Joe. I lose I, because I have a, a hockey team that can't win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd get around to that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I, I, um, there's actually a Canadian group called Engineers Without Borders, and they have – a report that they put out called the Failure Report, and they catalog a bunch of their failures. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've worked with them uh, on a bunch of different things. And, you know, we, we really do, we need a lot more of that. If we could, you know, you, there, is not an, in a, there is not an entrepreneur, there is not a successful businessman or businesswoman in the U.S. that talks about the growth of their company, that doesn't talk about and talk about the fact that had they not failed in these particular ways, right? Had we not taken, tried this, had we not tried that, we don't have that same culture when it comes to the cause kind of sector in the cause marketing sector. And we, we just, we, and the thing is that there's lots of things that have not worked. And if people would just have a little bit more courage to talk about it, right? And if we could start to shift the cultural thinking around this to recognize that it's okay to fail as long as it's not just like wild abandon, like you're failing on purpose, you're failing, <laughs> you know, sort of strategically. Right. If we could start to get that out more. Right, the same way that there are there are really good failures that you can make and something that you can learn from. 
That's it. And we shouldn't yeah. be afraid as part of this to also, as part of this conversation, to say, you know, when we think about cause marketing taking more risk, part of that has to be also about how we try start to create reciprocal value, right? How do we start to, what's in it for everybody, right? Because that's also going to help drive drive it. It's a big part of our premise about the things that, the kind of risk taking that has to has to happen because it's still, as I say, premise on this old model. Well, I think we could talk about this topic all day long with you, Phil, but if you can believe it, we've come to the end of our show. So I guess Jeez, people are just going to have to come to the conference and That's hear uh-huh. your session. Yeah. So, yeah. Phil, tell us where our listeners can find out more about you and Public Inc. Sure. So if you go to our website, which is uh, publicinc.com, uh, you'll see on the left-hand side it says, give us a call, we'll buy you a beer. So nice. I will always, always make true to that. Uh, but publicinc.com, uh, my, uh, my Twitter handle is at Phil Hayde. Uh, and uh, from the site too, you can see some of the blog uh, postings and uh, some of our campaigns. And by all means, anybody who wants to chat, always, always open to chat. I think that's how Joe and I found each other originally. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And uh, he uh, didn't want to. He didn't close us off at the border, so we continued. That's right. That. Uh, he kept and on given calling. Megan, he kept on calling me and calling me. And calling <laughs> yeah. Calling me. That's what happens with so, Joe. Joe's kind of yeah, that celebrity you know, like, diva effect. You know, and speaking you, of which, where can people uh, fan? become fans and lurkers of yours, Joe. Oh, absolutely. That's easy for me online. Uh, They can visit my blog, SelfishGiving.com, of course, and they can find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. And of course, I'm at the moment capturing all sorts of wonderful Pinterest campaigns at Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. You can see all my boards on cause marketing. Uh, What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? Uh, when I'm not preparing for the conference, I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF and blog for the Cause Marketing Forum as well at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on iTunes as well as Stitcher Smart Radio. We do encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Joe and Phil and myself, we hope to see you next week at the Cause Marketing Forum. But if not, we'll catch you next time on Cause Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. 